This is Scene and Screen. I'm Diane Ramsey. Middays 10 to 3 on Mix 101.5. And I have the pleasure today of being joined by Jan Burkhart, principal dancer with the Carolina Ballet. Hello. How Hello. are you? I'm good. Thank you. How are you? Great. And you guys are celebrating the 20th anniversary of Carolina Ballet. I still can't believe that. It's been that long. Yeah, you're telling me. This is my 13th season, which is really intense for me to believe too. <laughs> that is really great though for us to have this kind of this caliber of you know performances in the triangle area I think we're very very fortunate. Well we're fortunate to have our community. So tell us a little bit about your background and how you came to Carolina Ballet. Well, you didn't I, grow up in Raleigh did you? No I did not grow up in Raleigh although <laughs> it has very much become my home. Um, I actually am from New Jersey originally. Uh, I did my training at the School of American Ballet in New York City. And um, towards the end of my training, so I was a senior in high school, uh, we had rehearsal and Robert Weiss, the artistic director of Uh Carolina Ballet, had come to one of my rehearsals to see a bunch of dancers. And from there, he had offered me a contract to join his company. So when I finished my school training uh, in June 2005 um, and graduating from high school, that July, I moved here to Raleigh. Wow. Was it culture shock? (laughs) A little bit at first, but I feel like it's changed so much. I mean, I've seen such a huge change, especially with traffic and everything. You're absolutely right. Yeah. You know, I was so used to that being from New Jersey and being in New York all the time. And so it was actually kind of nice coming here initially that there was never any traffic. It was really easy to get everywhere. And now that is not the case anymore. Urban sprawl. I know. But it's, I mean, it is wonderful, though, to have seen the growth. You know, do you especially like downtown. Do you like this area? I mean, I think it's a, a cool area. Oh, I, I love here, it. So no, I, be... I love it here. Yeah, I really do. Um, my family, too, and all my friends, when they come, they just talk about how much they enjoy themselves when they come here. Oh, they think it's good. a good balance. It is. A busyness to calmness, you know, easy. It seems less stressful. Yeah, it is fun. You just mentioned that you were, you know, I guess recruited by Robert Wise and brought down here. Now, how does it work? You were just brought in as, were you part of the core at that point? Yes. So when I got the initial contract, I joined as a corps de ballet member of the company. Now, what does that mean? Corps de ballet means ensemble or the group often in the background, so to speak. Although the corps de ballet of Carolina Ballet does a lot of dancing, which Mm. I think is very different compared to most other companies because I think that there's a stigma attached to being corps de ballet that everybody thinks like, oh, they just stand in the background. Definitely not the case in our company, not not in the least. The corps de ballet is so important because they often carry the scenes and they're they're very much um, a needed background, you know. Well, I mean, just one or two dancers, it's not as exciting as when you see the whole stage. Well, I don't know about that. Parts. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, no, I think it just enhances when you. It's just such a beautiful thing to see when you have mm-hmm. that many people on stage, which. In our Messiah is the perfect example of that balance between having a massive corps de ballet and soloists and principals, that there's actually a majority of the production has scenes with almost the entire company on stage, which is, I mean, breathtaking, I think. Well, since you mentioned Messiah, Handel's yes. Messiah, that is coming up over the Thanksgiving holiday. Correct. So basically this week. Yes. It's there. Are it's tickets coming. available? Tickets are available uh, via Good. our website. Which is carolinaballet.com. Or you can call in and order your tickets that way. Great. So are you in, I'm assuming that you're in Maasai because you had come from, you said you just came from rehearsal. I did, yes. <laughs> a three-hour long rehearsal where we ran all three acts. Um, and, you know, we try to figure out little logistics here and there of little mess-ups. I mean, that's what rehearsal's for is to kind of iron out all the kinks. 
Well, cool. So yeah. is it looking good? You feeling good I about think, it? I feel good. It's Yeah, it's a lot in a good way, though. I think that it's a whirlwind because there's just so much material. Mm. There's different scenery. There's different, there's like in-between sections called tableaus. And so that oh. carries it through. It's just mentally a lot, aside from just the choreography, to to make sure your focus is there for that amount of time. It's I totally love Hanel's Messiah music. Oh, yeah. So you have, what is it, the Raleigh Chorale? Who is it? The, the North, North Carolina, Carolina Master Crawl, yes. That is so cool. Yeah, and then we have, of course, musicians and along with Al Sturgis as our conductor. I mean, it's just when we get the opportunity to dance to live music, I think it just really um, encompasses like what art is all about. And music alone is beautiful. Dancing alone is beautiful. But when you get to have it all together, mm-hmm. it's just, I think, you know, so worth it and so great. I didn't realize that it wasn't always live music. No, not always. Unfortunately, it's very expensive. Oh, yeah, it's makes ex- sense. Extremely expensive to be able to have live accompanists for a show. We, we try should... to do it as much as we can. Right. Like we always have it for Nutcracker, right? You know, and so and we often at least have two other ballets per season with live music of some sort. Well, speaking of Nutcracker, are you in that one too? Of can course. we can we foreshadow and tell? Yes, of course. Um, I'm typically either the sugar plum or the butterfly, which is the lead in the oh. Waltz of the Flowers section. I, I love the whole thing. It is. I, I love mean, that music. Again, the music. I just. think the familiarity of it is what kind of brings smiles to people's faces and feeling that holiday spirit and watching kids on stage and watching yeah. adults on stage and having professionals and all the costumes. And, and it has a story. I think it just culminates everything and is easily approachable, especially for a first-time ballet goer. And it's such a good tradition for those of us who have been here in the Triangle for a while. I mean, oh, I, definitely. I can't, been with well, my daughter, been with my sisters. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's just one it's of just those things. It's just a great family thing to do. It definitely. absolutely is. So get your tickets for that because <laughs> they will go fast. They do go fast. Um, well, since we're talking about parts, do you have a particular favorite part or a in the part you would like to play oh, or just or in general favorite role in general oh that's so hard I always I feel like I get asked that question a lot <laughs> it's so hard to just pick one because there's so many hmm. different roles to play and also in our company we're fortunate that we don't we don't always only do the same things all the time with the same choreographers we have the opportunity to dance so many different ballets and different styles that it's hard to just kind of Pick one. I guess Giselle would would have to be one of my favorite roles I ever played. It's a balance of, of course, the technicality of the dancing, but the acting and the story. It's and so sad, isn't it? It is a very sad story. And the music, though, is so beautiful. And I think it's just an overall challenge, I guess, as a dancer, because it really is everything. And mm. so um, I really was fortunate to have that opportunity. But, I mean, Sleeping Beauty's kind of up there, too, playing Aurora. And that was, I think, the hardest ballet of my entire career. But I think it also actually changed me as a dancer. So, yeah, it was so grueling, I think, for me. And I never had imagined I would ever have the opportunity to dance that role. And so I think I was more fearful of it. And then once I finally overcame it all and performed it, I felt... Accomplished, you oh, know, yeah, in a lot it's of like, ways. And like there's you, like a new air about, you know, what I can do. <laughs> that is cool. It's yeah. like it, you progressed as an artist. Yes, exactly. Now I'm a principal, and that's 
really great. Now, how do you become a principal? Do you audition? Do they decide? They decide, yeah. So, so as you progress in your career, hopefully you receive opportunities. The roles tend to get bigger and bigger mm -hmm. in the progression. And so with that, sometimes comes promotion. And so while I was court of ballet, I guess I must have danced a couple of things that he deemed me worthy of being a soloist. And then after that, not too long after that, I was made a principal. Okay, so it's yeah. like three stages. You have the core, and then you have soloist, and then you have... Make principal, yes, principal. in our company, yes. Now, do they choose the ballets based on the talent, or oh, how does it work? They they choose the ballets, and then they cast you based on... Because they know us. And so each season, you don't have to re-audition or anything like that. So once you're hired, you're hired on, and they know you as a dancer, and so they typically cast you based on what they think that your dancing and your abilities are appropriate for. Right, and right for that particular and role. And so you just kind of sit back and wait for casting and well, hope that you have a, fingers a role toes that crossed. you want. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> well, who were your role models growing up? While I was training at the School of American Ballet, it's the official school of the New York City Ballet. And so as a child, I actually performed in many ballets with them. So you started ballet. when you were really little. Yeah. I was nine when I started going to the School of American Ballet. My first nutcracker with them, I was 10. And then when I was 11, I got to be uh, Marie or Clara and their nutcracker. Oh. Who actually, my interesting fun fact, um, Zalman Raphael, our co-artistic director, um, was my prince. Oh, how about that? Yeah. Small so, world. Very small world. So we <laughs> we go way far back. <laughs> Sounds like it. Yeah. I always thought that ballerinas were like unicorns kind of <laughs> yeah I never really saw a real real live one until I started performing with the New York City Ballet and yeah you don't pass them on the street right yeah well you sometimes do in New York <laughs> but which is not cool. in the ballerina no no uniform, no right? and so when you see them in their costumes and you're they're like warming up on stage you're just like <sighs> oh my gosh you know and then you quickly gravitate toward the ones that you somehow feel like you can relate to mm. um and so there were a few Dancers like Miranda Weiss was one, and she was a principal with New York City Ballet, and Jenny Ringer, and Wendy Whelan. You know, I was fortunate to be around so many. Well, since you are that unicorn now, Valerina, <laughs> um, and I'm sure there are many young girls out there who dream of being a ballerina one day. Just give us, like, a day in the life of. A day in the life yeah, of. Yeah, what is your day like? Show day is very different than rehearsal day. Okay, but, well, give us both. Okay, both. So rehearsal day, I typically, I'm an early riser usually, so sometimes I take yoga or something beforehand in the morning. But either way, I end up at Carolina Ballet by 9.30 because class starts at 10 a.m. So I get there at 9.30 to change and warm up and do all my little exercises. And then we have ballet class from 10 to about 11.20. And then we have a 10-minute break. Um, and then at 11.30, rehearsals start to resume. So we're contracted from 11.30 to 6.30 with a one-hour break in between. So some days we might have a rehearsal from 11.30 to 12.30, and then I'm done for the day, which is nice. <laughs> and other days I am there 11.30 to 6.30 with wow. an hour break somewhere. And do you actually eat? Oh, yeah. You have to. <laughs> well, you probably burn a lot of calories. Oh, of course, which even more is like why we have to snack. And so in between every hour we have rehearsal, there's always a five. They call it a five-minute break. So there's every hour by contract we have to have five minutes. And so that's oftentimes you'll see people munching on, you know, snacks or 
energy bars because you have to be so strong and and mm. mentally sound, you know, and everybody knows when you get a little hungry, you get a little woozy. Oh yeah. So, and that leads to injury potentially or just not being focused, you know. So, you really have to stay on top of your health in that sense that we kind of eat a lot actually. <laughs> it makes sense though. You know, you always see that the perception is, oh, they never eat, they're so skinny all the time. But no. the, but look at what you physically do. Yeah, no. I'm a, if you see a double cheeseburger, I'm all about it. <laughs> And I will eat the whole thing. No well, problem. Cool. Well, then during a show, what is the day like typically during a show? So during a show, we always start at 12 o'clock instead of 10. So that's because we go much later. Mm-hmm. And so for a show day, we'll have class from 12 to 1.30. Um, and then after that, we have an hour. And then we have two blocks of time for rehearsal or performance. So for rehearsal, we'll go 2.30 to 5.30. And then we have to be at the theater by 7.30 for an 8 o'clock show. But oftentimes, if if it's a show that you're first, you have to get your hair done and do all that stuff, you'll often get to the theater by 5.36. So sometimes you find yourself going straight from rehearsal straight to the theater. Right. Yeah. It's it's intense. So that's probably tough on family life. Yes and no. So our performance weeks aren't every week. That makes it a little bit easier. You know, it's Mm -hmm. like, say, in essence, once a month maybe. And then after we open a show, if it's um, a three-week show run, we only perform on Saturdays and Sundays. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it's not like... It's not like Broadway, eight nights. Yes, no. Or eight shows. No, yeah, or eight nights. No, eight nights, yeah. It's very different. Or eight shows, yeah, you're right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, it's different in that sense. Well, um, no, what do you do when you're not dancing? What's some of your favorite hobbies or your downtime things that you do? I love to do yoga. I like to take walks. I love mm-hmm. walking, um, usually with my daughter and my husband around the neighborhood, stuff like that. I also love to cook. It's one of oh. my favorite things to do. Yes. And shop. All <laughs> right. Well, that's that sounds like a well-rounded life. Yeah. Absolutely. I have, I have other things other than dance, that's for sure. <laughs> So what do you think that you will do after dancing is over? Or, I mean, I even hate to mention that because God knows. No, no. It's something that I think is a very real thing that I can only really speak for myself. I don't know about everybody else, but um, I've always had that backup plan, so to speak, because, you know, knock on wood, you never know. I mean, you can hurt yourself and your career could be over when you were 18. I mean, you Mm -hmm. just, you know, you just don't know. And so um, I teach on the side a lot, a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and so that's definitely a, a good fallback for me that there's opportunity there for me to teach full time if I really wanted to. Good. Um, of course, you hope to be a part of Carolina Ballet still on the other end, whether it's being a ballet mistress or a coach of some sort. Um, but also, I've even thought about going back to school and um, becoming a nurse. That wow. Like, yeah. So I've, I've had a few ideas there because I have some college under my belt. I kind of put it down when things got more intense with work it was just hard to keep balance you know yeah yeah I was going to school at NC State and taking classes there and neat in the at a certain point I was becoming a soloist and then I became a principal and at that point I felt like I was kind of mediocre at both is what my mind felt like because it took so much out of me and so I felt like I had to pick one and for me I guess dancing is very finite because Mm -hmm. you know you can't do it when you're 50 or 60, you know, you ha- it's a it's a youthful it's career. Be realistic. Right, whereas I feel like school's always there. That's and true. So, you know, but I know it, at least I have that to go back to. So yeah. That's well, that's cool. You have a yeah. lot of cool goals. I see, like, in the program where it says point shoe sponsor. What exactly does that mean? So people have the opportunity to donate 
a specific amount of money um, that will consider them as point shoe sponsors, and they can donate it on behalf of a specific dancer. But what that does is that just goes towards our, our annual budget for our point shoes. So I think, don't quote me, but maybe, I think I'm <laughs> right though, is per season it costs about $500,000 per <gasps> season on women's point shoes alone. How many do you go through? We go through, they average it at about two pair per week. Wow. But it's often sometimes more than that. Well, I mean, they have to be sturdy for what you do. Yes, they have to be very sound and they have to feel right. And when you go through performances, like sometimes I will wear one pair of shoes in one show and that's it. So it just depends on the intensity of the ballet and what the steps require. Sometimes they, quote, kill our shoes sooner than (laughs) we call them, you know, shoes die. So oh. like, oh, my shoes are dead, so I need a new pair. <laughs> That's our terminology. That's so cute. Yeah. Well, this has been fun to get sort of the insider, you know, oh, I hope perspective was... on ballet. Because I have no clue. I never danced, but I love watching it, as most people do. Well, thank you. But, Jan, this has been really cool. So yeah. um, let's go ahead and give them another plug for the shows coming up. We have Handel's Messiah, Thanksgiving holiday, and then uh, next is the Nutcracker, and it's all over the place. Yes, we're doing um, one weekend in Deepak and one weekend in Chapel Hill, Mm -hmm. and then we resume with our Raleigh run, is what we call it, from December 15th through the 24th. And then eventually you celebrate Christmas and the holidays and take a break. (laughs) Yes, yes. I'm actually super excited. I don't think I've ever performed on the Christmas Eve, because usually how the calendar falls. Mm -hmm. But I think it's going to be super special. Yeah. To be able to like to have people in the audience to spend their Christmas Eve with the dancers and the musicians and watching the Nutcracker, I think is going to be great. Yeah, it's. I mean, it lines up with the story perfectly. Yes, doesn't it? it does. It definitely does for sure. Well, Jan Burkhart from Carolina Ballet, thank you so much for coming in and talking to us. Thank you for having me.